Welcome to your High Vibration Life podcast with Robin Openshaw, also known online as the Green Smoothie Girl. When you're living your high vibration life, you're healthier in every way. You're more productive, creative, peaceful, and loving. Your high vibration life is calling. And now your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw and welcome back to Your High Vibration Life. And this is episode 61 where we're going to dive into Chinese medicine. I met Brody Welch at a conference several months ago. And you know, sometimes on this show, we talk about being attracted to someone energetically. And I literally sort of pounced on her in the bathroom. And I was like, I really, for some reason, I just want to know more about you. And I'm not surprised when I learned what she is into. Um, I'm not surprised that I was pulled to her because I had always wanted to learn more about what thousands year old science has to teach us in Chinese medicine because my exposure to it has been miraculous and has made me want to learn more. So I'm really excited to learn more from Brody Welch. Her podcast has become one of my favorites. I listen to it regularly. She's a fantastic interviewer and has an amazing voice that is like storybook voice. Uh, she is a, it's called A Healthy Curiosity on iTunes. Highly recommend it. And she's a licensed acupuncturist a board certified herbalist. And here's where it gets really interesting. A Chinese medicine expert, which is all about helping us with self-care. And so she's the founder of Life in Balance Acupuncture in Corvallis, Oregon, where she's been treating patients since 2003. And so welcome, Brody. Robin, thank you so much for having me on your show. You are literally one of my favorite new friends that I've made this year. And it's just a real honor to be here. And I love sharing my love of Chinese medicine with people who are interested in it. So thanks for that. Well, my pleasure. And I'm really excited to dive into this because the the words, the vocabulary around Chinese medicine can sound foreign. And when we think something sounds foreign, we sort of push it away and say, huh, that sounds strange. But these truths that you're going to talk to us about, just because I've been listening to your podcast for everything that I can learn about these ancient Chinese principles, they're universal and they've stood the test of time for some good reasons. So it all starts with, do we say it chi? Yeah, we do say chi. Okay. And, and, you know, we were all taught in elementary school to never have a word that starts with Q unless it, that, unless there's a U next, but it's actually Q I in Chinese medicine. Tell, tell us about it. They don't have the, the U following the Q like we do. So we're just going to have to get used to the Q I. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when your language is, is expressed in, in pictograms and characters and we're trying to make sense of it in, you know, in, in basically to translate it into English there, there's, um, there's actually two systems of translating it into English and and so CHI is kind of the old system. QI is um, is part of the the new system that 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 Chinese speakers are like. Wait a second, that's actually how we would pronounce this, not the way that you you know English people think that it should be pronounced. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. In any case, what she is is essentially all that exists in the world. So basically. It, every chi pervades us and the space around us. So really there's no separation between us and our environment, which is one of the central premises of Chinese medicine, which is that if it's out there, it's in here. And so, and really the idea of health is when your energy, your chi, your, your life force is in balance and flowing freely. Okay. So that's very much in keeping with what this whole podcast is about is that we are energetic beings. We have an, we have energy bodies 
and we have emotional bodies and energies are flowing through us as well as around us. They comprise us. There's no real difference. Exactly. And and really Chinese medicine would say that, so in the ecosystem that is you, the the stuff that you can touch is, is a form of chi that's more dense and solid, but your thoughts and your emotions are also a form of chi that's, that's, that's obviously less substantial. And so we think of in Chinese medicine, we have the three treasures. We have our vitality, our energy, and our spirit. And they're basically just kind of re, um, refined... Uh, various various uh, levels of refinement of chi. So our consciousness or, or our spirit that's said to emanate from the heart, or the heart sort of integrates the not only the emotional body, but also is the seed of understanding. It ties the different pieces of our of our soul together, so to speak. Um, that that's that's a form of energy that's really important to pay attention to. There's also the energy that we create and use in our daily life. We we get uh, we get energy from the air that we breathe, from the food that we eat, and from the positive digestion of our life experience. And then there's the vitality that this sort of like the chi that that is that there's a, a special word that we use in Chinese medicine called jing that refers to our essential essence, which is something that we're born with that we came into this life with that contains our unique uniqueness and our potential for who we could be in this lifetime, along with the genetic cards that were dealt from mom and dad and and kind of our, our natural proclivities, our natural gifts. And the Jing is also kind of the sand in our hourglass that we dip into when we're living, when we're doing too much, like when we're when we're exceeding our energy budget, when we are, are outspending the chi that we can give back to ourselves through the food that we eat, the air that we breathe, and the positive digestion of our life experience. Um, and part Part of that that air that we breathe, that the practice of qigong, the practice of energy cultivation, is something that we take seriously in Chinese medicine. Where we do, we combine our breath with our movement, and we can use that to bank some additional energy. Um, usually, that's banked in our low abdomens, where um, sort of at, at our in our roughly our second chakra, our hara, our tanden, our center of gravity. Every culture seems to have a word for this place that's that's halfway between the spine and the front of the body in the low abdomen, about a hand below the navel. Okay. Qigong, chakras. Let's back up for a minute. Talk a Absolutely. little bit about, yeah. talk about chakras. Chakras are energy centers as defined in the Vedic system, right? So the traditional medicine of India, the yoga tradition, the Ayurvedic tradition identifies these energy centers along the midline, which are basically like different kinds of energy can be accessed in these different places. And um, and so in Chinese medicine, we also think about the midline of the body as being of critical importance that, that has different energy centers along it. But we also think about every acupoint, all that, that an acupoint, a place where an acupuncturist might stick a needle um, or where an, as someone who does acupressure would, would press on a point or where we ourselves could press on points uh, just by, by touching our bodies, that an acupoint is a portal in, of consciousness itself. It's like a very small chakra. It's a very small energy center. And it, each, each point is like um, a key on a piano or a key on a keyboard in that, well, if we're, if we're going to use the piano idea that it creates a vibration in the body. And so, it, and that if we play um, like, um, 
a particular combination of keys together, we create a particular chord. Maybe it's a major C chord. But if we change that a little bit, if we press a different combination, then it's a D major chord or a C minor chord or that kind of thing. And so as we access different points in the body with acupuncture, we're sending a very specific message of the body to the body as to how how it might organize its energy a little bit differently to create balance in the ecosystem as a whole. Okay. And Qigong is, Mm -hmm. we kind of think of it as being kind of like, you know, I think Americans think it's kind of like karate or judo and it's this. Yeah. It's, it's more like Taoist yoga. So if we think about um, like most people are probably familiar with seeing people doing Tai Chi in the park, you know, that there's these flowing movements. It looks a little bit like a martial art in slow motion. And Tai Chi is a kind of Qigong. It's a kind of energy exercise or energy cultivation practice, but it's being cultivated for the purposes of martial arts. It's being cultivated for defensive purposes as opposed to for healing, for self-healing or for spiritual um, evolution. And so we can use Qigong for all of these different things, depending on what tradition you're practicing and depending on what you're interested in. You can bank Qi for a whole lot of different reasons. And and the more that you practice, it's basically um, that... If you're if you're hooking up your breath with your movement and you're bringing your awareness to the inside of your body as opposed to the external world, then you are you're creating this mind body unity, and that's essentially what yoga is, right? This yoking of the mind and the body together. So we could think of qigong, although I I, I kind of think of it as like yoga's less sexy cousin. That's like it's less flashy. It's less you don't need any stretchy pants. It's um there's nobody's gonna like achieve a peak qigong pose, you know, like a handstand or a back bend or something like that, because like they're. It, the the movements are a lot more simple and repetitive, and it's the kind of thing where as you breathe and move in harmony, um, in this in this rhythmical way, in circles and flows and arcs and those kinds of things, that you deepen into your into your connection with yourself, and it can be profoundly meditative. It's it's great for people who want to meditate but have a difficult time sitting still. One of the things I'm so attracted to about not just Chinese medicine, but the way you talk about it is how integrated everything is. And it one of the things that feels so opposite of the world that we've all been brought up in, this very Western way of thinking, is how reductionistic are, uh, you know, we, we won't go on a big, long tangent about everything that's mm-hmm. wrong with Western medicine, but we reduce right. everything. We, we reduce it to a set of parts. Our medical profession is, you know, we, we send somebody to medical school and they spend eight years learning how to deal with just kidneys and they're a nephrologist or yes. they're a skin doctor and they just deal with the skin and they have absolutely no idea what was going on in the liver that showed up on the skin. And, and yeah. chi- the Chinese traditions, don't do anything that isn't integrated and looking at the the whole picture. So talk about the connections between the and then there's the you know outer world connection to you. You're you're saying that this very fundamental principle of Chinese medicine is that what is without is within, that it is all mm-hmm. one. And so talk about the rhythms of nature and our own body, which most Americans is going to think those are two very different things, but how are they connected? 
<laughs> wow, that's that's a big question. I will do my best to break that down. First of all, yes, it is awesome to have somebody who who is trained in Western medicine who can get so specific on the exact genetic thing that might be wrong or the exact specific virus or very specific thing in your gut flora that needs to be fixed. And it's like, that is awesome information and could be absolutely life-saving and essential if you need it. But for a lot of things, for a lot of chronic conditions that people live with, it's it's so much more important to pan back instead of to zoom in. And this is where Chinese medicine, I think, really has its strengths. Like a lot of times, people will come into my practice, and they're they're talking about uh, they, they they fill out the the very long intake form that asks the ten thousand questions about every system of the body, and and so they don't necessarily see that their connection between their insomnia and their digestive issues and their nasal congestion and their um, and their muddy thinking or their cloudy thinking all actually has to do with the same pathology. And so in Chinese medicine, we just we have the the ability to um, to look at each organ system. Each organ system I think of as like having superpowers because we think of like, for example, our livers. We can think about the liver as this organ that hangs out under the right side of our rib cage, that detoxifies our blood, that helps us digest fat, that is this like organ that we know and love in a Western sense. But the liver, like every organ, also connects with a sensory organ. So in this case, the liver opens to the eyes. The liver is connected to the emotion of anger and to the the ability for everything in the body to unfold according to its proper timing. It's about, it's related to what we think of as the five elements in nature. The five elements in nature, I'll get to a little bit more in a second. But basically, if you're refining or actually maybe I'll just define what I mean right now. If you're refining light through a prism, you can see all the different colors. So if chi is is white light that you're refining through a prism um, or sunlight that you're refining through a prism, you can suddenly see red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. Um, and And if chi is everything that there is, it becomes very difficult to talk about. So we need to subdivide it. And the first two subdivisions of chi, we can think about yin and yang, but we can also think about these five elements, wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And these are metaphors of like what, what's going on in our environment that, that's mirrored inside our bodies as well. So for the so back to the liver, for example, the liver correlates with the season of spring, the taste of sour, and the direction of upward and outward. And so like what do those have in common? Well, when when it when winter turns to spring, we start to see the little shoots coming up out of the ground, right? That we, we go from the yin of dormancy of winter time when all of nature is is still and slumbering, and we get this new beginning. It's the dawn of the new day. There's energies moving upward and outward in the world as as buds become, you know, emerging from from tree branches as grasses are busting their way up out of the snow. We get this upward outward movement of nature, and similarly we. Have have this upward outward movement in our bodies when we for example get angry it's to move our energy upward and outward so that we can stand up for ourselves it's so that we can be creative like liver energy is about upward and outward energy that allows us to expand our consciousness that allows us to expand uh, what's possible for ourselves and to and to imagine and to have a vision of what's uh, like that's that's moving us towards something so this upward outward energy in the universe exists in it's is sort of exemplified by our liver gallbladder energy 
it exists in our bodies in, in both a physical way as well as a metaphysical way. And in Chinese medicine, we, we think about uh, all of the elements need to exist in their proper balance. So too much of that upward, outward energy, we get exhausted and depleted because we're doing too much, right? We also need that balance of the downward, inward energy or the yin energy. So in terms of the seasons of the year, that each we, we move with the elements of nature through the seasons of the year from a period of, of basically everything in nature goes from, from birth to growth, to maturity, to decline and to death. And that's something that, that happens to everything that lives. And we're part of all it is, obviously. And we'll go through that process in a day and we'll go through that process in a lifetime, right? So when we wake up in the morning, there's the potential for what we might do that day. We get an idea. That's the visioning. That's the liver energy, the imagining, the goal setting. The fire element, the actual doing of it is the yang. Then like fire becomes ashes, which creates earth. And earth is that reaping what we've sown and sort of integrating it. Did that nourish us? Did that add to our to our chi and blood? And then the metal element or the autumn of the of the the, the five phases is the letting go. Like what's the autumn leaves that can drop off versus what's the sap that we need to pull inward and preserve for the long winter that, um, which is about conserving your energy. And so basically it's like, we can go through that cycle in a day or we can go through that cycle in our entire lives. We move through the elements and the elements move within us. You know, I have been really mindful of this in the last couple of years that it's not even all just in the cycle of a lifetime. I have the spring, I have the summer of maturity, I have the fall of things withering and then the death, the old age death process, but also like in a, it seems to me in my life at least, and I wonder if you relate to this, there are seasons where I used to fret about them where I'm not creative. I don't feel like I'm creating anything. I feel like I'm sitting and percolating and not getting very much done. And I don't feel like working 12 hour days. And then I'll have these seasons where I'm full of ideas and I'm making lists and I start working at six when I get up and I, you know, I might leave and go work out or go eat lunch or whatever, but I just, I just want to work and I want to create and nobody who works for me, I have about 20 employees and nobody who works for me feels like they can keep up and they kind of mm-hmm. are just gasping for breath and they, they make jokes about it. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring something to life, whether it be a new book, cause I've written a bunch of them or a, a big project or whatever. And then I'm just, I'm just in a restful, relaxed, I don't, and, and I used to beat myself up for it and I'd feel like, oh my gosh, all the creativity I've ever had, it's all gone now. And I've learned to, and I think it's the influence of you and a few others who have taught me these more ancient, more enduring, more holistic principles. I've learned to settle in and be at peace with it and recognize it as a season. I'm in one right now. I just, yeah. I just launched this book and it was so much intense work for me and for everyone who works at Green Smoothie Grill. And right now I just am completely happy to work my six hour day and Good. sleep extra and not task myself with big, hard things. What do you think about that? Do you think there are smaller cycles within a life oh, too? Absolutely. And, and I, and kudos to you for recognizing that like, wow, I just put out all this energy into the world. I was just on fire and creating and goal setting and going for it like full on and you gave it your all. And so that, that's basically like, that's, that's the doing, that's the yang phase. And if we think 
about the yin-yang symbol that teaches us that yang changes to yin at its extremes, right? So just like the, um, the, the darkest part of the night is right before it starts to get light out, right? Like there's this cycle between these two extremes. And in yoga philosophy, it's called spanda, the, pul- the pulsation of expansion and contraction of the heartbeat, of the breath. Everything in life has this yin and a yang. We have effort followed by ease. We have, we have upward and outward followed by downward and inward. And so you've just done all this upward and outward yang. That needs to change to yin. You do need to work less. You need you need to to spend more time just letting the field go fallow, right? Or like or it's never going to be able to produce again. You you need to come back to yourself to do totally rejuvenating self care. To to lie around on the couch to do nothing to uh, to do rejuvenating practices that make you feel good that uh, to get to get super restful to not be in a creative mode all the time because you're not a machine, right? Like that's that that's the thing with yin and yang is that it's not a black rectangle next to a white rectangle, and that's what balances. It's about flow and it's and it changes all the time. And so recognizing where you are in that flow and saying, like, okay, yeah, I just rounded the crest of this massive output of energy. And now it's got to come back in. It's going to be okay to work six hours a day. Giving yourself that permission is the best preventative medicine you can possibly be doing, in my opinion. It, I think we live in a culture that prizes the yang over the yin like crazy. I think it's actually... I would name yang addiction as the biggest problem that we face as a society because we only value the productive, the speedy, the active, the outward, the doing more, the doing it faster and doing and and what it looks like on the outside instead of what it feels like on the inside. And I see people running themselves into the ground trying to hold themselves to the same standards of maximum productivity that they might have that might have been totally right like 2 months ago but that are no longer right because you're not a machine, right? And so, and being able to recognize, okay, yeah, like that I am allowed to tend to my being, to my inner, to my spirit, as opposed to um, to my job all the time, right? Like that you're you're allowed to you're allowed to relax, you're allowed to enjoy, you're allowed to let go, release, and surrender to allow yourself to come back in full force with that active productivity, creating, um, driving, and striving. Yeah. Thanks for the permission because, um, you know, when you're born an oldest child in a big family and I've just really born ambitious and I was, you know, like organizing the neighborhood kids into little schools and doing crazy little projects from the time I was five, my earliest memory, I was at a story club in the summer and everybody had to come and have written a story and read it to everyone. I was always so mad at everyone because I would be the only one who showed up with a story and that's fine. I'll just read my story to you all. But, um, and so many more people, so many more of my friends were just, you know, content to just be. And so it's been, it's been a great process to learn how to give myself permission to have the, you know, like right now I'm in one, I'm in my sauna every night. Sometimes I get up in the morning and get in my sauna again. And, and I'm not going to beat myself up about it because I know that this is cycle of life. And, and I, I'm fortunate to live in a place where there are very distinct seasons. And right now my front yard is full of leaves and I love the smell of decaying leaves. And I love, mm-hmm. I love the fall. I love the spring. I love the summer. I can't, I can't say that I love the winter, but I appreciate what it's there for and yeah. building up snow so that we have, so that we have water in the spring and we can start life again. And so I love the metaphors. I was an English major in college. So of course, I'm, I, I love metaphors, but talk talk a little bit more about another 
um, concept, which is so foundational to Chinese medicine that Western thinkers, American thinkers might think is about female and male. And I know that that's like, there's an element of truth there, but explain this. You talked about yang addiction, yin and yang. Will you talk about, is it really male and female energy? Kind of flesh that out for us. Yeah. Male and female can be, those can be pretty charged words in our culture because we, we are, we're defining what that means socially, but really what, what yin and yang are all about. Uh, again, if we, if we look, if we, if we look at chi as being all that is and, and yin and yang being the two basic subdivisions of chi, it's this, it is these archetypal energies that keep each other in balance and you can't have one without the other. So yin yang pairs include things like hot and cold, up and down, inside and outside, doing and being. Um, it, and so, so we can get a sense that so, and, and actually, if you want to kind of get, make this real for yourself, if you imagine the yin yang symbol, uh, that the the black part of the of the swirly shapes that are intertwined with each other, uh, the black part is the yin. So the yin is that which is cooling, moistening, and still and being. It's the energy of restfulness. So it's like the energy of nighttime, as opposed to the energy of yang, which is that which is, the, that's the light part. So it, like light, like the sun, like the daytime, which is the active time of day, which is the hot time of day, which is the moving time of day, you know, like that, just that, that that's, those are, those are really the, the two opposites that we're talking about. And so if we're thinking about active and passive, um, if we're thinking about, you know, that certainly we all know women who are way more active than a lot of men, you know, so like, so basically we, we all have yin and yang within us. And if we just want to define them as, as feminine and masculine, like those terms, like we can, we can think about it as like the yin is the receptive, uh, you know, or, and, and the yielding, um, and also the, um, that, it, there's a biological component, right? That if we just think about like the the genitalia issue of of, the, of gender, right? That that um, that the the male is the is the active um, upward uh, upward moving principle, and the the feminine is the is the receptive, and and so like really, it's like if we want to just get like biology on it, we can think about it like that, but. But really, it's the energetics of life that we all need a balance of yin and yang. And like Robin, you were just saying, you've always had a yang personality. You've always been a doer. You've been the mover and the shaker, the initiator, the person that is, the person that is, uh, that you're a doer. You're you're much more comfortable in that mode than you are in a yin mode. And like knowing that about yourself can help you keep yourself in balance. And so just like looking at kind of like that your own yin and yang balance, you can't have day followed by day, followed by day, followed by night, followed by day, followed by day, followed by, you know, it's like, it doesn't work that way. You need day followed by night. You need activity followed by rest. You need doing and being to both be something that you value or you end up burning yourself out. And so when we think about masculine and feminine, you know, it's like, okay, what that, um, I myself am a recovering young addict. It's like, I still definitely, I identify a lot with how much I get done in a day, with how much I'm able to accomplish, um, with how many people I'm able to help and how many uh, just, and those, I'm much more comfortable in that mode than I am in doing my actual self-care that I recommend to all my patients. And, you know, it's a, but it's, it's the, at the same time, when I shift gears, when I can appreciate just 
how good it feels to do my yoga, to do my meditation, to do Qigong, to just take a walk without counting steps or like trying to maximize my speed or without listening to a podcast on one and a half speed while I'm doing that. You know, like when I just allow myself these being experiences, um, there is a kind of reclaiming of the feminine in that. There is a reclaiming of uh, that it's okay to just feel and to be in a body or to honor my emotion or to honor my uh, that which is like to value myself based on uh, based on my inner innate qualities as opposed to my outer um as opposed to the outer. And and that's really kind of like, we can think about that as our culture in general, honoring the kind of uh, the masculine stuff and, and really um, dishonoring and not valuing enough uh, that which we could consider yin. That's beautiful. Tell me about um, how you've touched on this, but every organ in Chinese medicine has a physical function, which we we understand that well in Western Western yeah. ways of thinking, but also corresponds to an emotion and an aspect of the psyche. Did you want to say anything more about that? Sure. Yeah. So it, it's it's the kind of thing where this also I, this is the kind of thing where Chinese medicine. I think it's really important to know. Can people think about acupuncture as being a great tool for treating pain or treating fertility or treating migraines or, you know, like whatever it is that's these various physical conditions. But I think it's also really important for people to know that you can use points in your body and you can use Chinese medicine principles to help with different aspects of your psycho-emotional health as well. So for example, your sense of who you are, your sense of confidence, um, your sense of having um, your ability to exert your will in the world in a powerful way. We associate all of that with the kidneys, right? So kidneys are, are undermined by fear. Fear will deplete the kidney energy. And kidneys house the will with a capital W. So your will as in um, if uh, your destiny, your purpose, kind of like your that your if you believe that you have a purpose or a destiny, it would be said to be living in your kidneys and your ability to exert your will in the world is obviously related to like, you can't do that if you're, if you have too much fear going on. So if you have, if you're, if you're the kind of person who like you, you want to write a book or you want to uh, start a business, but you're not sure, like you're, you're, you're plagued by self-doubt. You don't know that you're enough. You don't know that, that you, that you, you question the value of, of yourself, really. You wonder whether or not you, um, you have it in you to take this on. That's a kidney issue in Chinese medicine. And so we can treat that by uh, like, first of all, there are points that we can access. We could use kidney three, for example, on the inner ankle. We could use, we could anoint that point with an essential oil to just say, hey body, like strengthen this kind of energy. We could actually rub the physical kidney area in the lower back and just infuse it with some with some loving chi. Uh, we can, there, there's, there's ways of kidney corresponds with the water element. So we might go watch a waterfall or just meditate on the fact that the a river carves a canyon just by with the passive power of being itself and so that's that's a way that we can bring in these elements of nature to strengthen um, our own 
our own psycho-emotional health and these principles. So that's that's water element connects with the kidneys. It connects with purpose. The wood element connects with liver, which connects with the creativity um, and also the, the function. As I mentioned before, the movement of upward and outward means that we means righteous indignation. It means we can stand up for ourselves and assert ourselves. So this doesn't necessarily mean exploding like some at somebody, but it definitely does mean that. that for example. Um, if you find that you are hanging on to a lot of resentment, that's also liver, that's liver gallbladder. And the one way, one medicine for resentment is actually speaking your truth, being assertive, using that upward outward energy of the liver. So if that's something that you've noticed as a pattern your whole life, you wish you could say, you, you wish you could stand up for yourself, you wish you could speak your truth. And as a result, because you don't, you end up harboring a lot of congealed, <laughs> stuck energy uh, that's, that's keeping you tense. Like that absolutely will have a physical effect in your body, probably tight neck and shoulders, probably. Uh, so, you know, the inability to let go um, can actually lead to a bitter taste in your mouth. Bitterness on the emotional level can lead to bitterness on the bile level with the liver gallbladder. So that that's a way that that very explicitly we could we could rub liver fourteen on, um, underneath uh, in the in the sixth rib space um, underneath the nipples in like kind of just under the bra line for women. If you rub that point, it's great for letting go. You know, so there's these really concrete, practical self care things that we can use from Chinese medicine. We have all these points all over the body that we can access. The magic is not in a needle, it's in the point itself and in the consciousness in the body. And we can, with intentionality, use these points to create balance on not only the physical level, but on the psycho-emotional level as well. And so just to, to run through the other organ systems, the heart has to do with the emotion of joy, with spontaneity, with our ability to be present. Um, and that's the fire element. And we could use... We could use fire points for that and heart points for that. We can use spleen and stomach that has to do, spleen and stomach is our ability to feel nourished by life. Um, it also has to do with the spleen is our ability to hone our intention and has a lot to do with our ability to 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 learn things intellectually, to focus. So if you're in school, if you're studying, if you're trying to assimilate new information, you're using a lot of spleen energy. And so just knowing that, hey, you shouldn't eat when you're studying because your spleen is sort of the captain of the digestive team. You're trying to assimilate information at the same time as you're trying to digest food. That's digestion on, a, on multiple levels at the same time. That's not going to work so well. That's going to create some stagnant energy. That's going to create perhaps problems for your digestive system. And of course, we're not always we eat or what we can digest. And so being able to pay attention to that. And then lastly, the lungs and large intestine are the metal element. That's about um, that sort of the the, the lungs take us into our our intuitive body, our sense um, our sense of knowing as kind of our our animal souls, right? Our sense of of oh, there's danger. I, I sense that this person isn't really safe to be around, or like I'm really drawn to this person. That's actually a, a function of of the corporeal soul that of of uh, this aspect that we associate with lungs and large intestine. Lungs and large intestine also have to do with our faculty of discernment and our ability to let go of that which no longer serves, right? Just as the lungs take in something useful and we let go of the carbon dioxide and our large intestine obviously lets go of the waste that we can no longer make use of. And so being able to um, to really detoxify our lives, to, to let go of what's no longer serving and to um, 
and to discern, right? Like what's what's useful and what isn't. That faculty can be strengthened by lungs and large intestines. So there are points for that. And so really Chinese medicine is essentially applied philosophy. And we can use acupuncture, we can use Chinese herbs, we can use diet, we can use lifestyle, we can, as I mentioned, anoint points with essential oils. There's so many ways. And we can use, of course, these elements of nature. We can just go be around these elements and take in uh, just basically through osmosis, their their lesson for our bodies. And so it really is, it's this complete system of understanding the world around us and the world within us um, as as ecosystems that where, where like increases like and where opposites balance. Wow. I just feel like we've gotten like this 300 level college course down to the level of a digest. And I feel so grateful that we've just learned so much about the basic principles of Chinese medicine. And obviously this is a huge, huge body of work that we're asking you. It's always hard to take something that's big and complex and make it you know, sleek and simple. And I know that we've maybe essentialized, but I feel like we're getting like the, you know, 50 master works in psychology, one hour audio book here. And it's, it's been <laughs> great, but let's talk about one more principle. And then I want to, sure. I want to make this directly relevant to how we apply this kind of thinking to our lives. How do people work with you? How do people learn more about this? If it's really speaking to them, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're drawn to it, like I am, then the exciting news is you live in the digital age. You can learn lots more, but talk a little bit about the five phase, five element theory and, and about these elements of nature that reside within us. I think that I've we've all heard references to this, the five elements, but talk a little bit about that and then I'm going to where I'm going to go next is how to how to apply that. Okay, um sure. Well, I I I've touched on five phases a little bit already in terms of the the five phases basically are that birth, growth, maturity, decline and death that are symbolized by Water, wood, fire, earth, and metal, and so it, so that's the cre- that's what we call the creation cycle in Chinese medicine. So that like you water a plant and it grows, you chop down the tree, the wood becomes fire, the fire turns to ashes, which becomes earth. Earth it, from from the earth we can get metals, we can um, dig them out of the earth, and metals enrich the water. So that's the way that energy flows, and and if we or, overlay the organ systems onto that to the kidney and bladder support the liver and gallbladder. Like, so water supports wood the liver gallbladder and the wood elements support the heart and small intestine and the fire element fire supports earth. So, uh, so heart, small intestine, supports spleen stomach. Spleen stomach are the mother of the large intestine and the lungs. And so that's that's like the way that energy moves in the body. So for example, if somebody has um well, let's let's just use this example that we've been going with. Like if Robin, if if you were not paying attention to where you were in the cycle of the five phases, if you were not acknowledging, hey, I just I just did this huge output of energy. I really need to kick it back into a, a lower gear and like slow it down, take some saunas, take some time out. Um, that basically, like, so you're if you're in an upward, outward driving and striving mode. If you had been cutting yourself short on sleep, if you had been stressing with like anything that might have gone wrong as you were launching your book or that just anything that taxes your nervous system over a period of time, that that's basically an example of the liver chi would start to stagnate, right? The liver, the liver energy that's supposed to be flowing freely instead starts getting tight and tense. And so then you might, uh, and, and you might be making choices that are, that are depleting you. 
essentially what we've got going on there is that that the child, like the liver energy is throwing a temper tantrum and it's draining from its mother, the kidneys. And so your reservoir of that energy that's supposed to support you, we could consider that like the adrenals roughly in, in Western medicine are, are going to get lower and lower. And so, and if that happens um, over time, you could start to see other symptoms develop, right? You could see hormone imbalance, you could see insomnia, you could start to see um, overwhelm and can I do this and fear creeping in and, and all of that. So it's the kind of thing where like a problem in one area could lead to a problem in another area. That stuck liver chi in, in the form of tension could rise up to the head and create headaches or it could overact on like since, since um, wood busts up through the earth, wood controls earth. You might notice that if you're super tense and stressed uh, that, that that will attack your digestive system. And so you'll get problems like um, irritable bowel syndrome or acid reflux or, you know, like just problems arising in the digestive system that have really nothing to do with the health of the stomach or the health of the spleen or the pancreas. They have much more to do with the, the stagnant liver chi and, you know, AKA the stress. And so really it's about looking at how are all of these elements, looking at the creation cycle and the control cycle, right? Water puts out fire, fire melts metal, metal chops down the trees, trees bust up through the earth and earth dams the water. So there's a way like there's kind of, there's this diagram that looks like a pentagram, like a circle with a star in it that that outlines the relationship between these different elements. And so the job of, a, of an acupuncturist or a Chinese medicine practitioner is to look at the whole picture, look at all of the symptoms that are showing up in the same body and try to make sense of what's going on here. Like is so and something that we see because we live in such a stressed out, time compressed society, is we often see that liver chi stagnation. And that and basically that's like too much energy pent up in the wood element that can lead to it can harass the heart. You people can get anxiety, people can get insomnia, it can drain from the kidneys and you can get the hormonal problems. You it can overact on the earth element and you can digestive issues, or it can rebel against the the element that's supposed to be controlling it, which is metal, the lungs and large intestine and somebody might get um, frequent colds or bronchitis or something like that. So there's ways that like that the different energies of the different organ systems keep each other in check, like a big game of rock, paper, scissors, but also um, support one another and pass the energy along to the next one in line. So interesting. So if people want to learn more about this and they want to use these principles that you're, you know, you got an advanced degree in, but they're all new to us, yeah. But we feel like it might be key in helping us be healthier and happier. Tell us where they can learn more about you and jump into your group coaching program. Tell us all about that. Oh, I'd love to. So of course, A Healthy Curiosity, my podcast is is one way to get connected with me and just hear about some of this stuff um, on an ongoing basis. I also have two main offerings of, for people that can't work with me in clinic one-on-one. Um, I teach the basics of Chinese medicine as uh, this as kind of an information, a deep dive. If you really are interested in all the stuff that I'm talking about, I, I consider myself a translator. I've sat at the feet of masters. I've studied this stuff for, for um, this is my 14th year in practice, but you know, I, I'm a, I've done the deep dive into Chinese medicine and and studied it at length, um, both acupuncture and herbs and qigong and the lifestyle and diet pieces. And it's my 
one of my goals is to make that accessible, to bring it down from the mountaintops and make it accessible, you know, out of the halls of of people who are just studying to be Chinese medical providers. And so that's the basics of Chinese medicine class. I run that a couple times a year. And that's just all about information. You learn as much as a first year acupuncture student would, uh, except without the biomedicine and things like that. So there's acupoints, there's meridians, there's the theory and all that stuff, the foods, and, and that's a deep dive. The other thing that I've got going on is much less heady. It's much more about implementation because what I see over and over again is that we all like that basically that, that Chinese medicine is all about self-care and prevention of, of these diseases of, of modernity that are really easily done when we do things like have a body mind practice, when we, when we meditate, when we exercise, when we get enough sleep, when we eat a whole foods diet, mainly plant-based, um, when we have a healthy relationship with stress, when we allow all of our emotions to be. So I have a course that's basically about helping people bridge the gap between what they know they should be doing for their health and actually doing it. And that program is called Level Up or Level Up Your Life. And that is now people... I'm, I'm actually evolving that so people have the opportunity to, to have... A group, it's like self-care boot camp or a self-care support group that's rooted in the principles of Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, and yoga. And so, and we we do like a habit each week. We make a small change that everybody identifies as like a small doable change. When that becomes the new normal, we take the next step. And if that's so, if you're like really ready to like, okay, I'm sick of like intending to change my relationship with stress. I'm sick of trying to. I'm I'm ready to be over my yang addiction. I'm ready to to honor my yin. Um, then I would be super excited to connect with you. And if you go to brodywelch.com, it's Brody with an IE and Welch with a CH, there's a page for Level Up. And there's a place where you can schedule a free discovery call with me and see if you're a good fit for the program. Because it's... um Anyway, that's just what I'm super passionate about right now is seeing people make all the changes because there's so much information out there um, and it all boils down to uh, to the same stuff. And so like dialing in those core competencies of self-care, feeling like you have the right to be at the top of your to-do list um, is, is really, I think, what it takes. So that is... Uh, I, and, and I would love to connect with anybody for whom this feels like it really resonates. Well, this has been a brilliant overview of what Chinese medicine has to offer us. Couldn't be more different than what we most of us were brought up with and, and the way we were educated. And so I'm very, very grateful. And Brody Welch, thank you so much. And I hope everybody goes to check her out and learn more from her. And as I've been enjoying doing, thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, it's been such a pleasure, Robin. Thanks for having me. 